Good morning, everyone. Our shared Advent theme for First Church and South Church is Those Who Dream Change the World. Each of the four Sundays of Advent plus Christmas Eve is a variation of the theme, Those Who Dream. This fall, in our shared uh, sermon series, uh, Dreaming Together in the Circle of Blessing, uh, we learned that in the Bible, dreams are one of the primary ways God communicates with God's people. First Church and South Church, the idea is that uh, we are dreaming together and uh, that we are inviting God uh, we, we are, we are, what we are looking for, really, what we are inviting is, is God's dream for us. Together we are inviting uh, God's dream for us. And for the future, God is preparing for us. And thus far, our dreaming together has focused on some of the possibilities. What what. One of the questions we, uh, we asked together um, in one of our sharing services was, uh, what uh, could we do together that we couldn't do separately? You know, what more could we do together that we couldn't do separately? So, so again, this focus on possibilities. Uh, what might a common future look like? Our Advent theme takes that dreaming idea a step further um, and invites us to begin making God's dream for us a reality, a dream that stays a dream, that stays in our heads, that stays in our minds, uh, tends to fade. A dream that leads to concrete action in the world, that's a dream that actually changes the world. Uh, Dr. King's dream uh, on the Washington Mall didn't just stay uh, and remain a nice speech, but actually resulted in concrete changes in our country that all of us benefit from to this day. So, those who dream change the world And uh, today on the second Sunday of Advent, those who dream prepare the way. We prepare the way by lighting the way. We prepare the way by lighting the way is, uh, is what I want to propose to you this morning. The prophet Isaiah writes, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Just a little historical context. Isaiah was speaking to a people in exile, had been in exile for more than two generations, about 70 years. King Nebuchadnezzar had, um, from the east, uh, from Babylon, had invaded the tiny uh, remnant kingdom of Judah, and deported uh, many of its people, its, uh, its leaders, uh, certainly, primarily, uh, but many folks to Babylon 
thousands of miles away. And the purpose, this deportation was purposeful. There's a strategy to it. There's a strategy of colonization behind deportation. Uh, the idea was to remove all hope of their ever being able to return. No hope of escape. You are trapped. I can't imagine what it was like uh, for those Jews uh, who suffered exile. Um, I can imagine what it's like to feel trapped, to feel stuck, to feel like one is in a dark place. I can imagine to find oneself in circumstances where uh, it, there is no way out that is apparent. And uh, I can imagine that the light of hope and peace often shines brightest uh, when we find ourselves in the darkest and most difficult of circumstances. Uh, what I can imagine is that um, when we turn toward the wilderness places in our lives, we meet God there. Isaiah says, in, a voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. That is precisely where the way of the Lord begins, in the wilderness. And if we want to meet God, that is exactly uh, where uh, we, can, we can meet God. We are called to prepare the way. The way begins in the desert. It begins in exile. In other words, in order to light the way, we need to be able to perceive that the light is in the midst of the darkness. This image of light in the darkness reminds me of a conversation I had many years ago uh, with a parishioner. Trudy had been married to Carl for uh, decades. And uh, now uh, in their, now in his 80s, uh, Carl's had Alzheimer's uh, disease. And like many couples, Trudy and Carl chose uh, to stay in their home and live independently uh, for as long as possible. So Trudy was, you know, doing this uh, hard, hard labor of caregiving for her ailing husband, which I'm guessing that some of you may be familiar with. So you are, you are, you are intimately familiar with what it, what it feels like. And you may be intimately familiar uh, with the feeling that perhaps uh, the, the walls are closing in. You are intimately familiar with that wilderness place. You are intimately familiar with what it feels like to, uh, to um, have a feeling of uh, darkness where there seems to be no way out. Yes? Okay. As the months 
went by, I watched as Carl became less and less verbal and Trudy became more and more despondent and withdrawn. As what, what, and what felt to me was kind of like a, really kind of a final kind of expression of this feeling of being uh, cut off and alone. Um, Trudy, um, and Trudy and, and Carl stopped. It, it, it had been my practice to always, it's always my practice to bring communion when I visit folks, and they, and they stopped. I, I could come to visit, but Trudy was like, no, we don't want communion anymore because Carl can't understand it. Which again, I have a little disagreement with, but again, I took that as an expression of where that was true, that was where she was at. And I, you know, what can you do except respect that? I could sense she was in a profoundly dark space spiritually. However, one day during our visit, I noticed Trudy's energy had shifted. There was kind of a little glimmering about her, a little energy uh, as if the sun was kind of peeking out from behind the clouds a little bit. And then she told me a story of what had happened to her that week. It was a cold uh, December um, day, you know, seasonally appropriate. And it, it, was, it was an evening time, rather. And a bird, perhaps trying to get warm, had got into the chimney of the house and, and flew down the chimney and out the flue and into the house. Maybe some of you have had that experience before. Maybe? Okay. And so the bird was clearly in distress, as you might imagine. It was flying around, crashing into things. And of course, that freaked Trudy out <laughs> to have this bird flying around, crashing around the house. And, uh, and Carl, you know, he was quietly kind of um, sitting in his recliner, his normal place, doing what he did a lot of uh, at that time, was just to sit quietly and observe. And so, uh, of course, you know, the first thing that Trudy tried to do is, you know, she opened the door and she tried shooing the bird out. So she waved her arms and said, shoo, shoo, shoo. And of course, the bird just kept flying, you know, flew more and more around the house until finally it hid uh, on top of a bookcase. And uh, so her next strategy was to grab a broom. Okay, some of you have done this before. Her next strategy was to grab a broom and swing the broom at the bird, saying, shoo, shoo, you know, trying to get the bird to go out the door. The bird would not go out the door. Instead, she, she ended up just knocking over a bunch of stuff, her own stuff in the house with her swinging the broom around. And so the bird f flew around and then, like, flew into the Christmas tree. And was hiding in the Christmas tree. And uh, poor Trudy, I mean, she just, at that point, um, 
you know, she didn't want to call the kids because, you know, she was already worried, you know, she didn't want to give them any reason to think that maybe it was time to, like, you know, go to an assisted living facility. She wanted to make sure that she handled this herself, and she couldn't. She couldn't handle it herself. She couldn't handle it. She couldn't handle all of it. And kind of in this uh, moment of emotion and frustration about the whole circumstances, she just sat down and, and started weeping. And then a voice came crying in the wilderness, a voice that she hadn't heard for I don't know how long came, a voice that she had thought was gone and said, turn out the lights. And it, of course it was Carl and his, you know, creaky voice. Judy, turn out the lights. And she looked at him and he said, turn out the lights. So she turned out the lights and they just sat in the quiet. And then Carl said, turn on the porch light. And at this point, Trudy was willing to go with it, so she turned on the porch light, and they sat in the dark together and held hands. And after a few moments, they heard a rustling in the Christmas tree, and the bird flew out the door, open door, toward the porch light, and was free. That's what happened. The prophet Isaiah, that those, those who dream prepare the way by lighting the way. Sometimes it's difficult for us to see the light. But it's not necessarily for the reasons we imagine. Sometimes we find it hard to see the light because we do everything in our power to avoid the darkness, to pretend it's not there. There's a bird flying around in our souls, like knocking things over. And we're like, nope, don't see that. That's not happening. Our lives are falling apart. And we're like, turn the music up louder. <laughs> turn all the lights on. There's this dark, broken place in our soul. And we're like, nope. Not going there. And Advent is especially great for that, right? I mean, we just, Advent, as, the, as less and less daylight, we turn the lights up more and more. And when all the lights are on, you can't see any single light. It's just all light. We fill our days with activity and chatter, which can distract us from the distress we feel inside. 
captives and or the distress we see in the world. I mean, that's also another place where distress comes to us from. And so we distract ourselves from captives and exiles of all kinds longing to be free. The prophet Isaiah invites us to another way. Consider another way. A way that begins with embracing that darkness, that distress. Make a home for it. Open our eyes to it. What else is there? What else is appearing in this darkness? Instead of turning the Christmas carols up louder, why not take a moment for a little silence? What voice has been waiting to speak up that has never had the space to? Because we're so worried about just being quiet and with ourselves. In the darkness, our eyes can open to another light, a light that shines in the darkness, a light that the darkness will never overcome, as the Gospel of John says. A light that shines the way to freedom and peace. So, as we prepare the way for Jesus this Advent, let's remember that the light of Christ is always with us, In the rush of preparing our homes and our churches, let us remember to prepare our hearts. If we take a few moments to turn off, turn down the lights, turn down the soundtrack, we may find that the light our souls long for was always there, waiting for us to notice it. And then as naturally as a bird in the night flies to the light, our hearts will find their way home. Amen.